Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Priceline. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place, whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. For me, my happy place is in the Mediterranean. I think I've mentioned that. Maybe it's why I like Love Island so much because they're right by the Mediterranean. But I just love the feeling of being in the sea and it's just a great sea. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals. And you even get to choose your crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. And for me, I'd love to go on a trip to the Mediterranean with friends. In fact, I might be doing that in the near future. I have done it before, and it was really some of the most fun I've ever had. I went to Sicily. We had some great swimming there, me and my friends. Anyway, if you want to have a similar experience, download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm joined today by our old friend, Miss Jody Walker. I've had to call you Jody Turner. That's why I said Jody Walker, weirdly. I always think your name is Jody Turner, the actress, but it's Jody Walker. Hi, Juliet. Great to be here, first of all. <laughs> I don't think of myself as having a common name, but there are one to two much more famous Jodies than me. Actually, three. I'd say Jody Turner, Jody Messina, and Jody Comer. Jody Comer. Actually, there are a lot of famous Jodies. So, you know, I'm ranking low. Jody Walker and Jody Turner are very similar names to me in that, like, it's a real heroin name, not the drug, like, novelistically. Like, a, a, like the sort of Jody Walker is in an Ellen Hildebrand novel or Jody Walker is in a, I, I, I don't know. Honestly, just, Jody Turner is a better journalist name than mine, Jody Walker. So maybe I should make the switch. Jody Page Turner. That's like the name of like the, like the Nancy Drew character. Wow. So right. literary. <laughs> I don't I don't know what's happening with me today. Let's get started. Jody, last I spoke to you, we on Mike, we were doing a Bachelorette Bro bio breakdown, going through all these guys. And so I wanted to do a little check-in about where you felt you were right, where you felt you were wrong, and how you're feeling about charity. So let's start with that. What's your give charity a grade as as the lead of this show? 
Well, what's wild, Juliet, is it feels like we had that conversation two weeks ago. And we, we truly did. did have it maybe four to four and a half weeks ago. Because it hasn't been that long. We will have to talk about, which I feel like everyone is talking about, how this season is flying by because it is shorter and it is a strange experience as a longtime Bachelor viewer. As a Bachelorette, as like a performance grade, I I think I'm giving Charity an A, like an A minus. I agree She's, with you. She's a really good bachelorette. She has a level head on her shoulders. She's very showing of emotion, which I it is nice because you don't always know. It's hard to know how people are feeling. And when people tell you how they're feeling, it's somehow hard to buy it. As a crier myself, I think I really <laughs> appreciate her crying. And it's a lot of times it's happy tears, which I also cry. And so like, when she just starts weeping in the middle of a date with Dotton because of the way that he has expressed himself, that is very unique and meaningful, I think. Uh, so I really like that about her. But she also makes mistakes. And like the mere fact that she had any attraction to Brayden and kept him around that long is like makes her a little more interesting than like a perfect bachelorette. And she's been very open about this apparently like terrible relationship that she yeah. stayed in yeah. for so long, which, you know, I think brings a real stroke of humanity and like, oh, girl, what was cheated on you multiple times? What was yeah. going on? He sounded like a real dick. He just sounded really, this, her ex-boyfriend, the more information we get about him, we don't know his name, we don't have any details, but my take on him is he sounded really selfish. And that doesn't entirely surprise me because they dated for six years. This is, a you know, about to be a gross generalization, but I stand by it. I don't know. Like, she's 27. They dated for six years. It means they started dating really young. I think a lot of men are really fucking selfish in that stage of life. A lot of people are really selfish yeah. in that stage of life. But it sounds like he was a bad partner, and it really impacted her. As for the crying, it's interesting. That hasn't stood out to me that much that she—because I, I guess, like— you, one of the first things you said about her, she's a crier. And I don't know that I would have said, like, tell if someone was like, tell me about charity, I'd be like, oh, she's a crier, and it's very endearing. I wouldn't say it is or is not endearing, but, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't stick out for me, in a, which is interesting. Are you a crier? Uh, at times. I guess not, ultimately. I think that's why it sticks out to me, because, like, but I'm less a crier in my real life and more, like, we talk about I'm morally corrupt a lot. Like, I I'll cry during an episode of Real Housewives. Like, I am a TV <laughs> crier and, like, movie crier. There are, like, a lot of movies that I cannot watch on a plane or I'll absolutely, like, ruin my own life as well as the person sitting next to me. Like, so to see someone else doing that on television, and it's like she just, she can't stop it. And she's always kind of explaining it like, no, these are happy tears or like, I don't know. I just, and she's also a pretty crier, which is nice. <laughs> she's I just, pretty at all times. Like she truly. is so beautiful. I mean, her skin is perfect. Like her hair is perfect. She just like, she is, she looks like a Barbie. Yeah, she, she really does. Also, she has been wearing a lot of pink, including this past week when she and, and Dotton went for the fun run. Like she was, she was dressed in Barbie core. Before we got on mic, we were talking about the influence of watching this show in a in a Barbie world or in a Greta Gerwig's Barbie world. And I was just I was curious, like if that has, you know, just like week over week, if being immersed in the in the Barbenheimer moment has changed anything for you, which may seem like a random question, but I don't know. I just feel like it's suffusing culture right now. 
It is. And I feel like a lot of women who have seen Barbie are pretty in their feelings right now in lots of different ways. And that's what I find like most interesting. If you, if you haven't seen Barbie, I think like know as little about it as possible and allow yourself to feel however you want to feel about it. Cause there are parts of Barbie that like other women were deeply moved by that. I was like, "Eh, like this is something I've known for a long time or, you know, this is not, it's kind of like, you know, this is a wave of feminism I went through a while back or or whatever. But there were other parts of it that I was like, not just moved by, but like also were hilarious. And like, I think what I was thinking about during this most recent episode of The Bachelorette is I wrote a piece for the site this week about like the types of guys that Barbie sort of like stereotypes and represents. So like the type of guy who is going to explain the Godfather to you, whether you want him to or not. The type of guy, this one is very specific to me and I'm sure you, Juliet, I cannot imagine. Oh my gosh. That when you tell them that part of your job or for you, your whole job is hosting and creating podcasts, their immediate response is to pitch you a podcast. And that podcast is, and you're not going to believe this, them with their brothers, just them and their brothers <laughs> on mic, just having a podcast, just talking. And that is represented in the Barbie movie. Yeah. I get a lot of that. I get a lot of, oh, reality TV, like that's lowbrow or like yeah. very dismissive. And I actually been thinking about that a lot because of how much Scandaval became. I feel like we went from the Scandaval moment to the Barbenheimer moment. And I really think they go together, by the way, not just in terms of like seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer together, but like Christopher Nolan and Greta Gerwig are basically perfect inverses of each other as auteurs. And their movies are like complete opposites in a really like healthy way. So I've been thinking about them together a lot. But I think the dismissiveness of like reality TV is something that I'm kind of like, I used to, I think I used to buy into as like part of the patriarchy and now I'm over mm-hmm. it. And I'm just yeah. like, um, actually, no. And I was thinking about this. We talked about it on the Prestige Pod, me, Bill, and Joanna in recapping the OC, but like reality TV has replaced the like week over week network soap opera, both like daytime and in primetime. And that is like, a large part of pop culture that, like, yes, is, like, I think because it's, like, geared towards women is, like, dismissed, even though Bravo has done such a successful job of embracing it and turning it into, like, this huge industry, see BravoCon. So one thing that's interesting, actually, with these guys is Brayden, I think, was so hated because he felt like he was playing into the stereotypes that are, like, dismissive of reality TV, And, like, playing... To me, he just felt like he was playing, like, an old-school villain, like, an old-school character on The Bachelor. Whereas, like, seeing Joey and Dotton, really all the guys who were on this week, like, kind of be honest about their feelings was, like, while maybe not that appealing to me, like, kind of refreshing. And even... We love Xavier. We're going to get into that. But, like, Xavier being like, I don't know about this. (laughs) Like, just, like, totally honestly... I loved. I just also love that she still kept him because uh, for many reasons. But right. I and I don't want to give these guys too much credit, but I do feel like I I just feel like as a viewer and as a commentator, like I no longer want to buy into some of the like dismissiveness of reality TV. That people oh, like, I totally dismissiveness. Agree. Yeah. And I and I think I had that as a as a longtime reality TV journalist, I think I also had like a similar awakening a few 
years ago that was like, actually, no, I see a lot of value in this. I see a lot of importance in it. And anyone who's listened to me on many, any reality TV podcast has probably heard me say that, like, I often describe reality TV as the sports of human behavior. It is like (laughs) people operating at peak human behavior, like sports are people operating at peak physical behavior. But I do that. I explain it that way to play into the patriarchy. You know, it's like I'm doing exactly what Greta Gerwig is doing in the Barbie movie, which is like explaining this in terms that men stereotypically can understand. It's like, oh no, you know how you like sports? It's literally exactly the same thing. That's how I feel about Love Island. I'm like, oh, you like... You like sports and you like real time drama and you like real time trades and swaps and transactions. I'm like, okay, so watch Love Island. Yeah, boy, are you gonna <laughs> love this? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I did want to say about Brayden is what I felt watching him, and this is also you guys see the Barbie movie. Like this is also very well <laughs> represented in Barbie. Is that I felt he like he was like cosplaying an enlightened man. He was like playing at the idea that he's an enlightened man. He was wearing really big earrings. He was talking about emotions without act, while the emotions that he was actually displaying were fairly stereotypical, like inability to sort of investigate those emotions. Like EQ is a little questionable, but he was talking about it like he was this very enlightened man, which is like a new form of the patriarchy. You know, it's like, it's like (laughs) learning therapy words so that you can further manipulate women. Whereas I think what we were seeing, especially in this episode from these guys, who again, we don't want to give too much credit, we don't know that much about, they were making real attempts at being enlightened men. You know, they were really expressing themselves even when that expression was like, like I, I kind of felt like Xavier's expression of like, I'm not sure about this was pretty devoid of ego because like, that could have really gotten him kicked off, but it also was maybe not entirely protective of Charity's feelings, so I don't know. (laughs) I love Xavier. I think he's really funny. I looked up some of his personal details on the internet. He gave an interview for, like, a UNC publication where they asked him why he wanted to get into biochemistry and, like, pursue this career path, and he had really, like, substantial answers. I will say, slightly different than what we got on the show. In the show, (laughs) he basically credits his mom and dad's relationship and his mom's illness and how he's his father's taking care of her, but I just, can I just read what he said in the biochemistry newsletter? I believe this is the UNC School of Medicine Scholar of the Month Initiative for Minority Excellence, Xavier Bonner, in their newsletter. Can I just read it? I would love that, Juliet. <laughs> okay, the question was, what, <laughs> what are you hoping to accomplish with your Carolina degree? His answer. This question always takes me back to when I first decided to pursue a career as a scientist. This summer before my first year at Morehouse College, I watched Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where James Franco starred as a researcher who developed what he thought was a cure for his father's Alzheimer's ailment. Looking back, this movie was not all that great, but for the next week, I fantasized about what it would be like to, re- to lead a research team that discovered a cure for a major disease. In reality, it is rare that someone identifies a cure for a disease. However, I would like to lead a research team at a privatized corporation that focuses on curative methods for autoimmune diseases. I mean, this is a ringer king. Like, he's taking a subpar blockbuster, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and finding career inspiration in it. And it's leading him to wanting to work for a privatized corporation to find cures for autoimmune diseases. I hope he gets there. And I fucking love it. I think... 
I think we have to consider that Xavier may be the smartest person to ever be on any Bachelor show. I love considering that because I, like you, <laughs> love Xavier. Like, complete. I had actually already heard this Rise of the Planet of the Apes fact because peek behind the fourth wall, the moment Juliet found it, she sent it to our entire Slack group about The Bachelor because we so were excited. all talking about Xavier and how much, well, I was I was going to be like, and how much we all like him, but you and I may have mostly been leading the We Love yes. Xavier charge. Yes. Um, but I do, I love thinking about that he is the smartest person because... I did think that he was going to be a little nerdier seeming than I actually feel like Dotton has the personality that I expected Xavier to have. Dotton is super corny. He's like super corny. He's LeBron James style corny. I've heard you and Callie say that. And you know what? I do not agree. I don't find him <laughs> corny. I find him earnest and very sweet. Like, I guess, I guess for me, I can't take that seriously because I'm so, I'm so cynical and hardened that to me it's corny. <laughs> that is true. And we, I, we are well established as having what I would call different types, which is like, <laughs> I love like an earnest sweetie. And so like, I don't see it as corny. I see it as like mm, the most attractive thing possible. But <laughs> in talking is, about it, I'm like flustered. I'm like, oh my God, so creepy. <laughs> me too, but in a different way. Like, you, you know, you guys didn't like when, when she was like, and okay, I could see how this, I could see how this could go either way, but she is always saying, she says it to multiple guys, I'm a happy girl. And he, in response now, a number of times has said, <laughs> I'm a happy boy, which I don't think that you and Callie liked, but I think it's sweet. It's, he's so like humble. He seems you know, pretty devoid of, like, toxic masculinity, as far as we can tell, to even, like, be able to say I'm a happy boy is kind of silly. And I just like him, but he has this sort of quiet, kind of stuttering, like, not, like, vocally, but, like, I I actually find he and Charity really similar. Like, their personalities Mm. are really similar in the way they're always, like, smiling through talking about serious things. And that was kind of what I expected out of Xavier as a fairly obvious nerd. You know, like, he's so smart, he's getting his PhD. He was inspired by— What's crazy about him being inspired by Rise of the Planet of the Apes is I also saw that film in theaters, and it (laughs) did not inspire me to pursue a PhD in— What is it? Bio— Biochemistry. Biochemistry. It didn't inspire me to do anything. (laughs) Uh, There's just something about Xavier. Also, the— the fact that he's got hobbies, he's into knitting. Like, he's just a very evolved person, I think, and specifically an evolved man. I I love to see it. I don't know that he could carry a television show. Like, I just, we haven't, we haven't seen it, but I just, I like adore him and I want more of him. But to your point, the way he was like, I'm not sure about this was so, Callie and I also talked about this and I was like, it's kind of like what Brayden was saying, but in a nicer way. But you're right. Brayden had so much ego that it was focused on like, well, she's not picking me and she's dating all these other guys. And for Xavier, it was so much more just about like timeline. He was like, yeah, I just don't know that like I'm going to get there. And It was very scientist of him, I think. Yeah. You know, like it, w- and it was like Brayden was expressing those things to charity because all for reasons for him. Like he wanted reassurance He wanted to stake his flag in the ground. He wanted to be special. I truly felt like Xavier was expressing it because he felt the need to be honest, which can also sometimes be a harmful motivation. Like, that's not always the best motivation. But I do feel like 
he wanted to be honest and express himself. And then it was just ve- like when he was like, I know that I want to get engaged. I know that I want to get married. The question is, is that to you? I was like, that's an insane thing to say on The Bachelor. Like, you cannot say that. But he but he did. And I think just, it's like, it's all about context. It's a highlight. It's like, it's a highlight if someone else had said that, I would be like, get off the show, bro. You knew what it was. But Xavier said it. And I like Xavier. So it was fine. And he, he didn't seem like he was saying it in a hurtful way, but he was just being objective, to your point. He was being very scientific. That said, I am shocked that she kept him. I would be, if, and and I guess it's a credit to her that she saw past it, but I would just be like, um, if you're wondering if it's me, maybe this isn't the right path. But again, like I'm going to give her credit for, for taking him for who he is and for allowing us to see who he is because I, I like, I'm just obsessed with him. I've talked, I've like, I've talked myself into a Xavier obsession in the last 24 hours. I mean, that's great. And that's like, that's a credit to the season, which I think is ultimately proving to be a pretty good season. A a great group of guys. One thing about her keeping him is like, what were the alternative options? I already felt like keeping Aaron was a stretch. Like maybe if she could have just cut it down to three, she would have. I find him so irritating and like just lame. It's It's the turtlenecks for me. I keep wanting to be like, this is a great final four. But it's a great final three. And what I genuinely believe will be the final three is like Xavier, Dutton, and Joey. And then, oh, there was this really interesting moment. And I can't remember if it was this episode or last episode because I just happened to watch those at the same time. Where she, he came in the room and it was like they were kind of talking about the last time they'd seen each other. And before they'd even like gotten their butts in seats, she was like the chemistry. Like... (laughs) They were talking about their chemistry together in this very, like, we both know it's true sort of way. And I was like, oh, is Xavier the fantasy suites date? Like, is he who she's keeping around for fantasy suites, as we often see with, like, an F3? But I haven't noticed their chemistry personally, but they seemed very fond of it. I like that you just introduced some hardcore Reddit speak into this podcast. F3 means comes in third, her third place guy. I'm out in the weeds. Although I actually don't look at Bachelor Reddit that much. It's really I'm degraded. S- not a lot of info. It's not that good. It's not that good. I don't know. It's no It's no below deck Reddit, which there's like tons of information. I want to talk about the speed. You mentioned that. It's definitely jarring because it's different, but I think I'm okay with it. Like, was there anyone who I felt like I needed to spend more time with? Like, who do you feel like... Or yeah, what's what's your response to the pacing of this season? And just to be clear, it's nine episodes, including Mentel All. So it's eight, like actually eight weeks out in the wild, the Mentel All, and then also the Mentel All, I believe, is its own week. So it's not even like on a Tuesday as they often double up. So they really did call it back. I don't know if that was because of scheduling, if that was like a creative decision because they have a new showrunner. Well, it's a trifecta, but this woman, Claire from Bachelor Canada came in and is, you know, working alongside the other showrunners. And yeah, I don't know why they made the decision, but curious, like, is this a positive development for you? I feel so conflicted. And, you know, we spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast talking about Barbie. And so I forgot that I came in (laughs) with a lot of questions for you, which you've touched on just now, which are like, I, I do have an opinion on it, which I will express, but I am curious about the why of why they've shortened it. Like, because my opinion is that I am really enjoying this season, and I think a lot of that is due to the speed. Like, w- there's not a lot of filler. There's not a lot of the f- 
a fluff. I haven't watched a lot of group dates where I'm like, oh my God, get me out of here. I don't want to watch this yeah. anymore, which is generally my response to group dates. There's fewer, there's been, also fewer group dates. Yeah, fewer group dates. And I think we both said when we were doing the bio breakdown, like, I liked that it started with 25. 30 is too many. Mm -hmm. My assumption was that we would lose less people each week, which I think would maybe be my preference. Like, I would say it was especially notable the week that, like, it was, like, two weeks ago when, like, John went home, who people were kind of just starting to like. Caleb the wrestler went home. Maybe also Caleb the doctor. It was, like, a handful of people who I actually had— some interest in knowing yeah. more about if if for nothing else than for Bachelor in Paradise reasons. Also, that week Xavier was weeping over these men <laughs> leaving, like absolutely destroyed. I and know, I wonder to know more about that. And it's it actually Juliet is wild that you haven't noticed how much Charity cries because she was also weeping. Because I wondered if Xavier <laughs> was crying because of the men or because Charity was crying or maybe both. And that was stunning, that shocking that this scientist was like was just crying like this over his friends. But I really it's another loved indication it. that he's evolved. You know, yes, and it just made me want to know more about those guys. But I also fully recognize that I think I'm enjoying this season more than a couple of the past seasons because of the speed with which it's moving. And it it strangely is sort of like a return. It feels like a pretty traditional season. It's like yeah, definitely. we had one villain. We're not always canceling cocktail parties. Mm. <laughs> she's canceling a lot because she's, she's cutting things short. She's not just like canceling all of them, but she's cutting things short. And then this week there was no rose ceremony. But that was my that was my main question for you is the season is shorter. It's shorter by two episodes. These seasons are usually minus men tell all, they're usually 10 episodes, and this will be eight main episodes. Yeah. Do you think that filming was also shortened? I think, like I think it may have been shorter, but also they did less travel. So I wonder if that was a piece of it too. Like the fact that they stayed in the US the whole time. I don't completely mind that, just except it seems like unfair, but I, I know for a fact that production doesn't really value the travel as much as like I do. Like I'm not, I, they, they don't really consider it to be like an indication of really anything. Cause I remember when I was doing a few years ago, I ranked all the seasons and I included like the locations they went to as a factor and like what made it good. And I like got some feedback from production that like, they just didn't really, they're like, that doesn't really like, like equate to much for us. So I think a lot of it's about budget with the destinations. Cause they usually get a lot of freebies. It's like called trade outs or whatever. So I don't know. I, I think it was, I think from what I can piece together, it was a shorter schedule, but I think it's interesting. You say it feels like a traditional season. Cause I agree with that, but I also kind of think it feels a little bit more Netflixy. Like if you mm. were watching this as a binge, I think it the pacing would feel pretty similar to like love is blind. It would feel pretty similar to how like Netflix reality shows happen. You just, the, the viewing cadence is so different that it's like often hard to, to tell, but like I usually rip through four episodes of a Netflix reality show at a time, usually because that's what the, the how they're parceled out. And I think that if you had gotten like if you if you if the, if this is on a Netflix model, it would be like episodes one to three, and then four to seven, and then like eight and nine or whatever. And then I think it would feel very similar. So it's it's both like feels more traditional because there's fewer twists and turns and less like there's no fence jump. There's no like, you know, moving of the, of the dais, like, ha like Hannah Brown or whatever. So I think there's like fewer like punctuation marks, but a more like a, 
so in that sense, it's more traditional, but it fits like a little bit more of a cadence that we're used to. We're just happening to be watching it week over week, which I prefer. It's just, it's interesting though, because like we're only on episode five and a lot of times those points, Hannah Brown moving the column, like those don't happen until like episode six, seven, yeah. eight. And I, it seems like from the previews that the more dramatic moments of this season are going to happen when Charity realizes that like she's in love with three people or heaven forbid Xavier can't commit or whatever. <laughs> and like those are going to be the really challenging, difficult moments or the, or the sort of like, you know, like tent poles of this season because what's, there is almost nothing in my life that I am more used to than the cadence of The Bachelor. <laughs> I am not a habitual person. Pre- Preach. Me too. <laughs> like, Chinese I don't drink on. my coffee at the same time every morning, but come hell or high water, fantasy suites come after hometowns. You know, like that is happening no matter what. And so that's what, so that we have been watching this show happen exactly the same for years. And this always happens exactly the same too, is that usually all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, there are only six people left. Like it feels yeah. like it goes from like 12 people to six people once they start sort of traveling internationally. And this time it's like, wait a second, we're at hometowns and we were just in Washington state. What's going on? It's kind of all the same it just feels a little different. But again, I like it. I'm ready yeah. to be in hometowns. The Me only too. thing, it's like we never get to know the guys that leave. Like to speak in Reddit terms again, F5 and F6 are always like the most. So that would be like Sean and Tanner are the most tortured of any contestant because they're always the ones who haven't gotten a one-on-one date and are still holding on hope that they might go to hometowns. I unfortunately feel that I know Sean fairly well. <laughs> we kind of got a lot of Sean. I mean, and I only say unfortunately because, like, he's a total, I don't know, he's a filler. He's fine. He serves a purpose. He's better than, like, a Brayden. But I think we got a lot of Sean, maybe because he won the Ken Challenge. It's true. We did get a lot of Sean. And that, that's like, that's the thing. Is we call just, him double denim Ken around here, okay? His we job got is a denim. lot of double denim Ken. His job is denim instead of beach. <laughs> Some people don't know how, how hard denim is. It's a very hard job. <laughs> we did get a lot of Sean. We didn't get a lot of Tanner until the end, who seemed very sweet. But I do feel like with these final four, it's like, I really understand them. It feels like on an emotional level, like they've expressed themselves well. I understand how Charity feels about them. I don't know any logistics about them. Like, how have we not talked about that Joey lives in Hawaii? And that seems like it's probably going to be a pretty big issue. I I talk about it a lot. That's my number one case against Joey, that he lives in Hawaii. And also what it indicates to me. But you know, maybe he'll move. A tennis pro is is a, a flexible job anywhere where they play tennis. So I don't know. I could see I could see him fitting in in the South and moving to North Carolina with her. I just want to hear him talk about it. Me too. Me too. I, I'm looking forward to Joey's hometown. Yeah. A couple of rapid fire questions for you. And then I want to talk a little bit about Jerry, our golden bachelor. Gary, our golden bachelor. I'm sorry. <laughs> you say that again. It's very hard. Gary. Well, when I look at it, it looks like Jerry. Why does he spell it that way? That's some Midwestern a different, bullshit. A different generation. I guess. Who's your who's the bachelor? I mean, I, I've got to state for the record that has already been clearly defined that like Dotton just must be winning this. Yes. Like, yes. They are so in love. They have such a connection. 
I genuinely enjoy watching them together. They're having fun together. She's having the most fun with Dodd. And I think that's just like such an indication. I think that's the number one indication of like who wins is like how much fun the lead has with, with them. It's a fun factor because it's a stressful environment. So if you are able to like rise above that, I think you really stand out. It is, but a lot of times we see The Bachelorette have fun with someone and that person is like her best friend and she can't quite get there. Like the fun factor is there with Dotton. The emotional factor is also there. So like when I make this decision, I think I'm going off that like my assumption is that Dotton wins. And that also feels, makes this season feel very traditional to me is that like there has been a clear Clear, front runner from the beginning. So I think it's Joey. It's like as much as I love Xavier, he is not the bachelor and I don't want him to be. He is doing important research that he needs to stick to. I feel the same way. I really hope he doesn't end up in paradise. Like this is how I felt about Dr. Joe. Just like, you're doing great. You don't need this. Just carry on. It's true, but they do deserve a vacation. Yes. And Dr. Joe is also different because he was an anesthesiologist in the time of COVID. So I feel like he needed a break, but Xavier, just like stay on your path, man. It's going great. I'm sure you're going to find someone awesome. Yeah, I want I want Xavier to have a wonderful life, maybe with me. I don't know. We'll see. But like, I, I don't. You both live like, in North Carolina. You are so right. <laughs> but I don't I don't think he needs to be the next bachelor. And I think Joey would be a great bachelor. I do, too. I think he, I think he'd be great. Do you think Joey's a fuck boy? This is something that Rachel Melanie, and Melanie Platt and I discussed in week one. We're still discussing it via text. Do you think Joey's a fuck boy in real life? I think that there is a time and place to be a fuckboy where it's not as fuckish. So, like, if you are— Like, as a tennis pro in Hawaii? If you are a tennis pro, a single tennis pro in Hawaii, like, you're probably going to be fucking around a little. Yeah, which is, like, which is fine by me. I do think that Joey has the ability to settle down and to, like— you know, sure. I don't know. Take a he's, take a monogamous I think he's like mate. It's fine to be I a fuckboy. He's twenty nine. Oh, I my think bad. he's like a, of wedding age. <laughs> I'll I'll look it up. Who's your favorite other than Xavier? Like, who else do you have you been rooting for? You know who I liked really early on that we talked about in the bios. I'm not going to be able to remember his double name, but the underwater welder, Josh, John, John Henry. Henry, John Henry was extremely cute and like boy he went out on week two but I was like let's get this guy in paradise why did he get cut so early he's so cute I really liked and I think a lot of people have really built up like an underground resistance for John who John B yes data scientist did he have an initial his name was John B like he was John B yeah (laughs) John boy really liked him I I liked how he handled himself well sort of liked how he handled handled himself in the Braden situation which was like in comparison to Aaron he handled it much better and it was his situation to handle and I liked Tanner there towards the end like I like Tanner too he's like a total vanilla wafer but sometimes you just need that on a TV show I actually I found him excluding the thing where he said yeah, me and my girlfriend had one fight and she moved across the country and disappeared and I have no idea why, which I found a little suspicious. Other than that, I found him very evolved. Like, the way that he spoke about charity and considered her feelings as much as he considered his own, he was very patient. 
like I did find him to be someone who genuinely seems like they've been to therapy and done some work on themselves. <laughs> so I so in that way I did not find him vanilla. Also, I should have I should know these details. This is not um well studied of me, but I've heard a couple of people say that he is like on some he's like a trainer on some online workout app and what I think he trains is like walking. It's like what? walking for what? exercise. Love and I this. find that adorable. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. He is a trainer slash like medical device salesperson. That is hilarious. His name is Tanner Christian Cortad. Juliet, you repeatedly forget this, that actually his job is mortgage lender. Sorry. And that is, but that, and that is tough. That's a tough job. <laughs> and then when I remember it, I always say, oh shit. I know. I know. It's, it's always a, pre- it's always a downfall. <laughs> Tanner's a roller coaster. He's not as vanilla as you think. And I think he is going to really excel on Paradise. I also feel like this is, my suspicions are confirmed. He works for a company called Kiavi. And on their Instagram, it says speed to close, power to scale. And I'm like, that's not really sound lending, okay? He should lean into teaching speed walking. Yeah, and then he's a trainer for Walk at Home, which has 161,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. It's the (laughs) spreading the good news of what walking can do for the health of the world. Wow, I love it. We love, I I love walking. I think you love walking too, Julia. I I do love walking. He's a, he's really hot. My, the main thing I like about Tanner and the reason why I forget that he's a mortgage lender and a predatory profession is because I'm attracted to him. He's really hot. He is, he is (laughs) handsome. Like he is like, man handsome and he's someone where like every time you catch him from a different angle he looks different and also somehow better like yeah he's really good looking (laughs) oh man it's nuts this episode is brought to you by Reese's peanut butter cups all right it's official I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time like any good relationship they really balance each other out one is super sweet and the other Well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, It means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's move on to Jerry slash Gary. What should I, what should we call him? Gary slash Jerry, just in general. I was going to say we should call him Gary, which is his name. His name. But whatever you feel is right. It has helped me that he's from Indiana. So remembering that it's Gary from Indiana really works. Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. Indiana. For the Music Man fans out there. 
If anyone has only heard his name and not read it, it is spelled Jerry. It's G-E-R-R-Y, which is why it's difficult. But then when he introduced himself on Instagram, he said, Hi, I'm Gary, and I'm your Golden (laughs) Bachelor. And that was startling. Excitement for Golden Bachelor is just through the roof. Everyone I've spoken to is more excited about Golden Bachelor than anything to happen in Bachelor Nation, like, in a really, really long time. Absolutely. It's like, if we can sink our teeth this much into this season being two episodes shorter, and we're like, that's so crazy. What does it mean? Are we enjoying it? Can you imagine how it is going to feel to watch some? There's just, by its very nature, these people being around the age of 70, it cannot be the same show. I know. And that's why I'm so excited. I have no idea what to expect. And something truly new very infrequently comes along. And Jody, did you watch Dating Around on Netflix? No. It came out in 2019, I think. There was two seasons. Season one's phenomenal. The Ringer was pretty into it. And the best episode on, of Dating Around was a man named Leonard. It, date, the premise of Dating Around is one person goes on multiple first dates and then they choose to have a second date with someone. And the way it was edited was like really creative. And each episode is just standalone because it's this one person having their first dates. And it's like episode five of season one is a man named Leonard and he is in his seventies. And it was by far the best episode of like seeing the kinds of conversations and like just, you know, seeing septuagenarians date. And I just, I'm so excited because I know how much people who watch that show loved that episode. And so I think it's such a great idea and you're right. Like, I don't know what the format's going to be. I don't know what to expect from the women. I've heard that the women are going to be 65 and over so that it's like same age demographic, which is like also exciting because, you know, here, here we are in the age of Barbenheimer. I want to mention so infrequent that women of that demographic are like put front and center on television or in movies, unless it's like someone extremely established or it's like, you know, the book club, which I support, of course, but it's just not, it's not common. And so I'm just really excited, even if like, they're embarrassing people. I mean, I hope they're embarrassing people. It's reality TV. It's not common. And, you know, this will probably change the moment I start watching it and everyone's a mess no matter what age. But I will say in consideration that we were going to be talking about The Golden Bachelor today, I was just like scribbling down a few notes about my thoughts. And, I, and I've been a little conflicted on that they chose a Golden Bachelor first as opposed to a Golden Bachelorette because, you know, Older women are so ignored and undervalued in our society that I do think it would have been like quite a statement to first have like put a 70 year old woman on a pedestal. However, I started thinking about like, and this is absolutely me in my Barbie feels like thinking about having this many women of a certain age in a room. And I genuinely felt emotional. Like, I agree. <laughs> it's just so, it's so unusual to give older women that kind of focus. And again, I'll say, perhaps we get these older women in a room and they're no different than a bunch of 26-year-old women in a room, like fighting and fussing. But that's interesting too. Absolutely. Like, That's totally fascinating. It doesn't have to be like we get those women in a room and we see that women are perfect, just like we always hoped. Like, no, that's like the goal is to see that like women are complicated and unique and different at every age. And I think that's, it's just such an interesting opportunity and only only light spoilers for Barbie. Like, there is a scene in Barbie with an older woman that was, like, hands down the thing I was most moved by in it. And I 
I do want to clarify if you haven't seen Barbie. I keep saying I was moved by it, but it is truly hysterical. It's like, really it's funny. so funny. Yeah. I also, I just want to share that I hated that scene. Oh, so see, interesting. People react totally differently. <laughs> like, there's a line about mothers that a lot of people really loved that I yeah. was like, disgusting. <laughs> Not to be a mother, but sort of what was said. <laughs> I think the most, actually the most complicated part of the movie is like the role of mothers. But anyway, that's, a, that's Absolutely. another. Absolutely. I mean, it's a compl- it's very complicated to watch. That's why I'm like still thinking about it and relating it to everything in totally. my life. Yeah. Including Golden Bachelor. But I'm really excited. Me too. I'm really excited as well. I predict that we get a room full of Jill Bidens. Like I feel like that's going to be the type of woman. And that great. would be incredible. I know. Great. My <laughs> only fear. So, so my hope is that we get at least one, but maybe a handful of lifelong bachelorettes. Mm-hmm. Like I do because, so, I mean, we should, I don't, have you guys talked about Gary on the podcast yet? Very, very little. Give us some, give us some facts, some bio data, as they say on Indian matchmaking. <laughs> His bio data is, he <laughs> seems to be about 6'2", as is required for a bachelor, for a bachelor contestant. He is 71 years old from Indiana. He was married for like 40-something years to, I think, his high school sweetheart. That's correct. Who suddenly died from an illness in 2017. And so he was sort of suddenly widowed, but it's been it's been six years and his grown daughters and half-grown granddaughters are have been encouraged him to do this. And so it's this like very, you know, sweet story. And he's also talked about in interviews that he and his wife also talked about if one of them were to ever pass, like what they would want for the other one. And so he's talked about that he feels, you know, sort of supported in this endeavor by his by his wife's memory. I'm I'm sure this is not what she could have imagined that would look like, but hey, you <laughs> never know. So like he seems like a cool, sweet guy, but I was going to say that by the mere fact they chose a widow on purpose. You know what I mean? It's of course, like yeah. for someone's wife to have passed as opposed to divorce or being a lifelong bachelor, like those are not things that we admire in bachelor society. And so my fear is that like in the casting of the women as well, the only moral way to be single at 70 is to be widowed is like <laughs> something I could very much see The Bachelor doing. I, yeah, I really hope I really hope that's not the case. I agree it would be cool for some women who don't have kids. Like, you know, give us a full range of women at 70, like or 65, whatever, whatever that looks like. In their defense of choosing Gary slash Jerry, I do think narrative-wise, like in building a franchise, you know, this is still television. This is not Barbie land. This is not an academic experience. Like, this is a television show on ABC and primetime. So in terms of, like, creating a new franchise and creating a new show, like, you wanted it to be successful, right? And, like, you want to be showing more people on... Hopefully this is, like, a launching pad to showing a different phase of life that is so ignored by reality TV unless it's, like, crazy Luann and Sonia. And which I'm also loving, by the way, <laughs> I Crappy Lake. Cra- I'm going to watch Crappy Lake, but I haven't watched it yet. But anyway, that's a real like I need it to be raining for like 36 hours and yeah. I just sit, sit down and watch all of it. But anyway, there's a narrative like you just very neatly summed up who this guy is like or like the way that they're selling him. And so like we're all in and yeah. like excited. And so, I, yeah, it's like not a groundbreaking choice, but like, you know, you got to crawl before you walk and whatever they say. Oh, yeah. I think he's a great choice. I don't want him to be groundbreaking because it's already (laughs) groundbreaking to be doing it. Like, he seems, as far as we can tell, like a great choice. 
If you look at him in the, like, promotional pictures, he's, like, a wildly hot 70-year-old. When you watch him in real life, he's still very handsome, but he seems a little more viable as a 70-year-old man, which (laughs) I want. I want him to seem 70, you know? Like, and he does. And he has, when I've watched him in interviews, I've noticed, like, he has hearing aids aids of some kind. He seems older. He's very devoted to his grown children. Like, I feel like they've done a good job casting it. And he's also very charming, but very, like, you know, Midwestern. Oh, yeah. I I think it went for—we talked about this in our Slack, too, and sort of, like, our collective agreement is they went for, like, Sean Lowe at 70 with the personality of Ben Higgins at 70. Yeah. And the only thing I can really be sure of is I'm positive there will be pickleball in this show. There's no doubt in my mind that they'll be playing pickleball at some point. (laughs) It is inescapable on TV in real life. Here's my question for you, Julia, and I don't think that this has been said. What do you think the finish line of Golden Bachelor is? Surely they're not going to insist that two 70-year-olds get married. Oh, I disagree. I think that'll be an engagement. I mean, why not? No, it's not like the other couples of the regular Bachelor get married, so who cares? I think it'll definitely be an engagement, and I think it's way. I I would buy it way more. I think at seventy, there's you'd know much more about who you are. You've so much more life experience. I mean, think about like Gary slash Jerry versus like I don't know Joey or really any of these Xavier is like I don't know. Like he's just <laughs> it's like yeah it's fine because you are a young person still figuring it out. Like, I also think that this is very influenced by me currently watching Last Tango in Halifax on Netflix, which is a British television show about two people in their 70s who reconnect. They're both widowed and they, this is a drama, they they were teen, they knew each other's teens and they had like a misconnection, they had lives and they like reconnected. And I do think that like at that age, you just get married faster because you're like, what are you waiting on? And also if you're not going to have kids and you're going to like, you can kind of keep certain things separate. Like it's just, it's just different. So I absolutely think there will be an engagement and I think it's like completely fine and way more believable than Charity and Dotton getting engaged. I think you make a great point that 70 year olds are going to be much more sure of what they want and of what that commitment means, especially if most of them have done it before in some way or another. However, Have you ever tried to make a 70-year-old do anything that, like, maybe they don't want to do? I just, I also (laughs) think that, like, it's something about the idea of trying to enforce a social norm of, like, this is the way we do it on this show, so this is the way you'll do it. Like, you'll kind of get engaged whether you're totally sure about it or not. It's just, like— you I think know. the people going on the show are just like, fuck it, why not? I think it'll happen. But also, Jody, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that because, like, I think just from, from the last 20 years of Real Housewives, we could put together a cast of women for Gary who would be willing to just be like, yeah, sure, let's get engaged. But they shouldn't do it. Sure, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> it's not irrelevant because 70-year-olds also know that. They know when they should do something. I think, I don't know. I Oh my gosh, what if there is... A Real Housewife. Here are the women from the Real Housewives universe that would go on The Golden Bachelor and would be totally fine with getting engaged. Vicki Gumbelson, <laughs> Giselle Bryant, Luann, Sonia, Ramona. Who else do we have? Erica Jane. I think she'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's keep it moving. I'm trying to think of other people I think would just totally do it. Like off the top of my head, that's a solid crew. 
I don't think Gary would propose to any. It's like (laughs) these are they're like different species. Like these are like different reality TV species that I don't. I mean, God, this is a good idea. Real Housewives dating show. This is a really good idea. It's because they they are impulsive, not because of their age, but because they are operating at peak yeah, human performance, they, as previously noted. Yeah. Like, Luann got engaged in two months, immediately got arrested, got divorced because her husband was making out all over New York City with anyone but her, <laughs> and then got time. sober. And she did that in, like, a seven-month period. That's not the life of a normal 55-year-old woman. That's the life of Luann. <laughs> I don't know. I think there are plenty of wacky people out there. This is just making me more excited. And also, like, I need to talk to someone about a dating show with housewives because that's a really good idea. We got to get someone on the horn. And I would like a small (laughs) producer credit, please. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I think it's exciting because it's like we really don't know how it's going to go. And a lot of it depends on the casting. Is it going to go wacky? Like, are these people going to be characters? Or are they really shooting for the love story? You know, like— The thing about Gary is it suggests to me that they are shooting for, like, a traditional, like, st- yeah, Disney love story. I agree with you. And I'm I'm okay with that. I'm not looking—you know, we do have Bravo for mess with, with women of a certain age. So, like, that's fine. And we like it. And we accept it. But, like, this is also a fantasy show. Always has been. And, like— that's fine. I mean, I just, I'm I'm really excited. No matter what it is, it also will just be fascinating to talk about. I am hoping to have a lot of people on the pod who are like over 50 to, to discuss it, which is still, you know, a generation younger than Gary. But I do think that in an older perspective and, you know, 50 is just the bottom, la- the bottom line here. So we'll see, but I'm, I'm very excited about it. It's, it just seems like everyone is. Like, I just think everyone's ready for something fresh and different. And it's such a, it's a no-brainer. I'm so glad it's finally happening. Yeah, I've seen tons of people being like, I haven't watched the franchise in a few seasons, but I'll come back for this. And like you said, it's finally happening. Like, it's worth noting that they've been working on this for three years. Yeah. It's been conceptualized for that long. It's presumably been cast for a longer time than they might normally cast a season. So like, Hopefully that all adds up to success. Fingers crossed. Jody. I loved this chat about The Bachelor and the Age of Barbenheimer. Thank you so much for joining me. For more Jody, catch her recapping The Real Housewives of New York on the Ringer Reality TV podcast on Fridays. That's our Bravo show, Morally Corrupt. It's a fun show so far. I like Bren. She's my favorite. She's made for Bravo. Bravo, Bren. I'm, I'm so happy she's here. Um, thank you to our producer, Jade Whaley. Callie and I will be back on Monday. Hopefully Love Island will be back on Hulu. Uh, so my sources tell me that it's not a Rita Ora issue or a licensing issue, but it's a captioning issue. So I really hope they figure that out. I'm fiending. I just miss it so much. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.